biology. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of Long Read Sunday on the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we are looking at an article by Janet E. Carpenter on the impacts of GE crops on biodiversity. Now this is a little older in terms of its date of publishing, so 2011, but some of the uh, concepts here are really important and they're all backed by research. So it was looking at how genetically engineered crops were affecting biodiversity such as uh, crop diversity, farm scale diversity and uh, landscape scale and things like that. So we're going to read through this now, some really relevant points and some good signs I guess to show that genetically engineered crops aren't necessarily having the negative impacts that most people are worried about. Here we go. The potential impact of genetically engineered crops on biodiversity has been a topic of interest both in general as well as specifically in the context of the Convention on Biological Diversity. In a recent review, I took a biodiversity lens to the substantial body of literature that exists on the potential impacts of GE crops on the environment, considering the impacts at three levels, the crop, the farm, and landscape scales. Overall, the review finds that currently commercialized GE crops have reduced the impacts of agriculture on biodiversity through enhanced adoption of conservation tillage practices, reduction of insecticide use, and the use of more environmentally benign herbicides. Increasing yields also alleviate pressure to convert additional land into agricultural use. Crop diversity. Crop genetic diversity is considered a source of continuing advances in yield, pest resistance, and quality improvement. It is widely accepted that greater varietal and species diversity would enable agricultural systems to maintain productivity over a wide range of conditions. With the introduction of GE crops, concern has been raised that the crop genetic diversity will decrease because breeding programs will concentrate on a smaller number of high-value cultivars. Three studies have analyzed the impact of the introduction of GE crops on within-crop genetic diversity. Studies of genetic diversity in cotton and soybean in the U.S. both concluded that the introduction of GE varieties was found to have little or no impact on diversity. In contrast, the introduction of BT cotton in India initially resulted in a reduction in on-farm varietal diversity due to the introduction of the technology in only a small number of varieties, which has since been offset by more BT varieties becoming available over time. From a broader perspective, GE crops may actually increase crop diversity by enhancing underutilized alternative crops, making them more suitable for widespread domestication. Farm scale diversity. Plants have a major influence on soil communities of micro and other organisms that are fundamental to many functions of soil systems, such as nitrogen cycling, decomposition of wastes, and mobilization of nutrients. The potential impact of BT crops on soil organisms is well studied. A comprehensive review of the available literature by Eikos and Stotsky on the effects of BT crops on soil ecosystems included the results of 70 scientific articles. The review found that, in general, few or no toxic effects of the CRY proteins on woodlice, columbines, mites, earthworms, nematodes, protozoa, and the activity of various enzymes in the soil have been reported. Although some effects ranging from no effect to minor and significant effects of Bt plants on microbial communities in soil have been reported, they were mostly the result of differences in geography, temperature, plant variety and soil type, and in general were transient and not related to the presence of the CRY proteins. Studies published since the ICOS and Stotsky review 
have reached similar conclusions, including novel studies on snails. Crop production practices also have significant effects on the composition of weed communities. Changes in the kinds of weeds that are important locally are termed weed shifts. Such shifts are particularly relevant for, ma for managing weeds in herbicide-tolerant crop systems in which tillage practices and herbicides used both play major roles in shaping the weed communities. There are reports in the literature of 14 weed species or groups of closely related species that have increased in abundance in glyphosate-resistant crops. At the same time, in a survey of corn, soybean and cotton growers in six states, between 36% and 70% of growers indicated that the weed pressure had declined after implementing rotations using GR crops. The use of herbicides can also result in changes to weed communities through the development of herbicide-tolerant weed populations. Globally, GR weeds have been confirmed for 21 weeds in 15 countries. Most of these cases have been reported where GR crops are commonly grown. The development of weeds resistant to glyphosate will likely require modification to weed control programs where practices in addition to applying glyphosate are needed to control the resistant populations. Landscape scale diversity. The most direct negative impact of agriculture on biodiversity is due to the considerable loss of natural habitats, which is caused by the conversion of natural ecosystems into agricultural land. Increases in crop yields allow less land to be dedicated to agriculture than would otherwise be necessary. A large and growing body of literature has shown that the adoption of GE crops has increased yields, particularly in developing countries. A review of the results of global farming surveys found that the average yield increases for developing countries range from 16% for insect-resistant corn to 30% for insect-resistant cotton, with an 85% yield increase observed in a single study on herbicide-tolerant corn. On average, developed country farmers report yield increases that range from no change for herbicide-tolerant cotton to a 7% increase for herbicide-tolerant soybean and insect-resistant cotton. Researchers have estimated that the benefit of these yield improvements on reducing conversion of land into, into agricultural use. They estimate that 2.64 million hectares of land would probably be brought into grain and oilseed production if biotech traits were no longer used. The most direct landscape-level effects of growing Bt crops would be expected for target pest species for which the crop is a primary food source and that are mobile across the landscape. Area-wide pest suppression not only reduces losses to adopters of the technology, but may also benefit non-adopters and growers of other crops by reducing crop losses and or the need to use pest control measures such as insecticides. Several studies have investigated the impact of the introduction of Bt corn and cotton on regional outbreaks of pest populations, reporting evidence of regional pest suppression in Bt corn and cotton in various areas of the US and Bt cotton growing regions of China. The effects of GE crops on above-ground, non-target invertebrates have been the subject of a large number of laboratory and field studies. By the end of 2008, over 360 original research papers had been published on non-target effects of Bt crops. A comprehensive review of the literature by Naranjo included 135 laboratory-based studies on the 9 Bt crops from 17 countries, and 63 field-based studies on 5 Bt crops from 13 countries, which were analysed using meta-analysis techniques. In general, laboratory studies identified greater levels of hazard than field studies, at least partially explained by differences in organisms studied and frequently higher protein exposure in lab studies compared to the exposure levels in the field. Field studies demonstrate few harmful non-target effects, with the non-target effects of insecticides being much greater than Bt crops. More recent literature on the non-target impacts of Bt crops are largely consistent with Naranjo's conclusions.
So I'm just going to jump in here, guys, because the next two paragraphs go into more details about non-target impacts. So those are the impacts that were not targeted in the um, initial design of the genetically engineered plant or crop. And the results are coming back very similar in each of the investigations that they're having uh, low impact on the uh, environment and the ecosystem, uh, which is a good thing. The next part goes into further detail about the indirect indicators. And again, I'm going to summarize this because it goes into probably too much detail. But basically the idea is that by creating herbicide-resistant crops, you're using less herbicide and you're killing less organisms in the area. This allows for a higher abundance of prey for birds or rodents or amphibians, so increasing the uh, biodiversity within the area. Conclusion. Knowledge gained over the past 15 years that GE crops have been grown commercially indicates that the impacts on biodiversity are positive on balance. By increasing yields, decreasing insecticide use, increasing use of more environmentally friendly herbicides, and facilitating adoption of conservation tillage, GE crops have contributed to increasing agricultural sustainability. Previous reviews have also reached the general conclusion that GE crops have had little to no negative impact on the environment. Most recently, the U.S. National Research Council released a comprehensive assessment of the effects of GE crop adoption on farm sustainability in the U.S. that concluded, Generally, GE crops have fewer adverse effects on the environment than non-GE crops produced conventionally. GE crops can continue to decrease pressure on biodiversity, as global agricultural systems expand to feed a world population that is expected to continue to increase for the next 30 to 40 years. Due to higher income elasticities of demand and population growth, these pressures will be greater in developing countries. Both current and pipeline technologies hold great potential in this regard. The potential of currently commercialized GE crops to increase yields, decrease pesticide use, and facilitate the adoption of conservation tillage has yet to be realized, as there continue to be countries where there is good technological fits, but they have not yet approved these technologies for commercialization. In addition to the potential benefits of expanded adoption of current technology, several pipeline technologies offer additional promises of alleviating the impacts of agriculture on biodiversity. Continued yield improvements in the crops such as rice and wheat are expected with insect-resistant and herbicide-tolerant traits that are already commercialized in other crops. Technologies such as drought tolerance and salinity tolerance would alleviate the pressure to convert higher biodiversity areas into agricultural use by enabling crop production on suboptimal soils. Drought-tolerant technology, which allows crops to withstand prolonged periods of low soil moisture, is anticipated to be commercialized within five years. The technology has particular relevance for areas like sub-Saharan Africa, where drought is a common occurrence and access to irrigation is limited. Salt tolerance addresses the increasing problem of saltwater encroachment on freshwater resources. Nitrogen use efficiency technology is also under development, which can reduce runoff nitrogen fertilizer into surface waters. The technology promises to decrease the use of fertilizers while maintaining yields or increasing yields available with reduced fertilizer rates where access to fertilizer inputs is limited. The technology is slated to be commercialized within the next 10 years. All right, so with that article, guys, um, pretty good signs that GM crops and GE crops are beneficial. We're increasing yields. We're decreasing the impact on the land. We're able to use land that isn't usually available. So we might be able to take advantage of areas where there is high salinity or high moisture content in order to produce crops for the ever-growing population. 
So probably a really good article for students to analyze here in terms of its importance in improving society, cultural impacts of why these technologies are not being used, and the economic benefits that can come about from using these uh, GM crops. So lots to unpack there, and I hope you guys enjoyed that again, and I'll see you next time on the podcast. Bye.